Matthew 21. And this morning we begin reading in verse 12. It says, And then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. And then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and he lodged there. This morning we have the blessing of being able to study together this incredible, amazing, revealing incident in which Jesus Christ went in and he cleansed the temple. You know, the Bible says over in the book of Psalms, chapter 24, verses 3 and 4, the question is asked, who may uh, ascend to the holy hill? Who can abide in the house of the Lord? That's a good question, you guys. Who is it that can rest there in God's presence? And the Bible says this, He who has clean hands and a pure heart. You see, what the Lord wants to minister to us today, what God really wants to do, I believe, in our life, is He wants to do some spring cleaning. Isn't it crazy, you guys, how our houses get dirty so fast? I know my garage, and you know, Shelly usually takes care of most of the housework. I try to help her a little bit. The kids do as well, but... You know, in the garage, I do it nice and clean. Every once in a while, I get so proud of myself. It's a good feeling, isn't it? You know, when things are clean. But then it's amazing how fast things can get dirty, even filthy, even to the point where, okay, I better back the car out so you can get in. You know, it gets so bad there in the garage. And and I think that happens not only in our houses physically. I think that also happens in our houses spiritually, individually, congregationally the church universally, that there many times are dirty houses. And it's time for spring cleaning. It's time for king cleaning. And when Jesus Christ comes in and he identifies those things that they need to be 86, they need to, to, to leave our life so that he can come in and there would be power for the blind to see and the lame to walk. And there would be praise that is perfected. That's what we're going to see today as we look at this. But before we get to the application, I think it's important for us to just establish the interpretation. Because we read there again in verse 12 that Jesus went into the temple of God. Now in the Greek language, there are two words that are translated temple. One is naos, and that's speaking of the holy place. And the other is hieron, and it's speaking of the temple precincts. Now, when you look at the two in the Greek language, one is that special holy place where the high priest would enter in once a year on the Day of Atonement. And uh, that's not what we're seeing here. What we're seeing here is the temple precincts. If you were to go to the temple in those days, it was considered one of the wonders of the world. And you would have the holy place. Just outside of that, you would have the court of the priest. Just outside of that, you have the court of the men. Just outside of that, you have the court of the women. 
And outside of that, you would have the court of the Gentiles. This is where the people from all around the world would come. They would hear, hey, man, there's something going on in Israel. You know, someone had witnessed to them about God and his amazing love and how he was going to come. And so they would make that pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And as they would come, they would come into the temple. Now, if you were a non-Jew, a Gentile, then this is as far as you could go. You could only go into the court of the Gentiles. And it's here in the temple precincts, the Greek word hiedon, that all this takes place. As the Lord comes into this precincts, one of the things that we need to take into consideration is that this happened on a Monday. Now you read this and you might think it happened right after Palm Sunday when Jesus entered into Jerusalem on a donkey. But according to Mark chapter 11, verse 11, the Bible says that Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple right after the you know, pilgrimage there. And when he had looked around at all these things, as the hour was already late, then he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And so when Jesus came in on Sunday, he went into the temple and he saw everything that was going on. And so the Bible says after he saw everything, then he went back to Bethany. And I'll bet you almost anything he taught to his father. He said, Father, Father, do you see what they're doing in your house? Father, they're buying, they're selling, they're fleecing the flock. Father, what should I do? You see, a lot of times people will look at this right here and they'll say, cool, it's okay to get angry. You know, when they get ticked off or whatever, they punch holes in walls and, you know, they throw chairs or whatever and they think, see, Jesus did it. Jesus got upset and so it's okay for me to do it. But please understand, this was not a off-the-cuff, impulsive action. No, this was prayed through. This was thought out. Jesus went home on that Sunday, and then he came back on the Monday, and then we see that he cleaned house. It says there in verse 12 that Jesus went into the temple of God, and he drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple. The word drove out in the Greek language, it's speaking of sending out, kicking out violently. Now, the thing about this is kind of interesting is over in the Gospel of John, chapter 2, Jesus did this in the beginning of his ministry. When he first came in, he cleaned house. And in those days, the religious leaders, they questioned his authority. Hey, what gives you the right to do this? Because they didn't know who he was. Now it's three years later and he does it again. This time they don't question his authority. They know who he is. But it just kind of goes to show us how things can deteriorate so rapidly, huh? I mean, you may come to the Lord and things are going good and you're getting your life right, but then all of a sudden we allow things in, things that don't belong. Now here, in this lesson right here, we see that the people that are there, notice what they're doing. They're buying and they're selling in the temple. And there's the money changers. Now the first time Jesus cleaned house, he used a whip. This time he uses his bare hands. He does it himself, personal. He cleans house like this. It's crazy when you look and see what the things were going on in those days. You know, when they were there, what would happen, you guys, is when you would go to Jerusalem, you would have to pay every man 20 years and above had to pay the temple tax. It was a half a shekel. It was probably somewhere around, I don't know, 300 bucks. It was over two days uh, working wages. And so every man had to pay that. But you couldn't pay it with foreign currency. You had to pay with acceptable currency. And so you would go there to the temple. Here you are wanting to worship. You're a Jew. You love the Lord. You're sincere, hopefully. Your heart is right. But you can't pay with the foreign currency. As a matter of fact, after a certain date, you had to exchange it in the temple. You see, it had to be paid within the 30-day period. And so, you know, you were forced to do this. 
You go, you say, here's my $300. Can you exchange it to the currency acceptable to the temple here? And you know what they would do? They would tack on an extra 40%. They were totally ripping the people off. Another thing that you had to do when you would go to the temple, especially the poor people, is you would have to offer a sacrifice. If you couldn't afford a lamb, according to Leviticus 5 or 7, you can offer a dove. But when you go and you offer your own dove, they would look at the dove and they would say, I'm sorry, there's a blemish right here. You've got to get one of our doves. And when you bought their dove, guess how much it cost? 20 times more than you could get it at PetSmart. It was crazy, the things that were going on. I mean, they were totally fleecing the flock. Totally. You know, one of the worst things about this whole thing is that the ones that owned all these tables right here, the ones that were behind this whole thing, was the family of Annas, the former high priest. Bottom line is this. There was sin in the sanctuary. They were totally defiling God's house. And you know, a lot of times I think what ends up happening, you guys, is we desensitize ourselves to these things. One of the interesting things to note right there, look again at verse 12. Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold. Not just the sellers. We might look at this and we think, well, the sellers are guilty. No, the buyers are just as guilty. Why? Because we know better. Who do you follow? We don't follow men. And if men starts going in the wrong direction, we have the responsibility to follow Jesus Christ and to do the right thing. No matter what's going on in this church. You know, you go and you know the things that are going on on TV and TBN and some of these people that are begging for money. Man, that's not the Lord. You know, my heart goes out to all these people who are sincere and these old ladies who are living in Social Security, they're barely making it and they're giving in their money. You know, one thing that I know is this. You know, whenever I watch some of those programs or I listen to some of those programs and I hear them begging for money, um, I, I get so grieved inside. I get so angry inside. And one of the things the Lord ministers to me is this. You know what? If they don't repent, every single plea for money, it, it, it just increases the degrees of punishment in hell for them. You see, one day God's going to bring them into account. What happens a lot of times in the church, you guys, it is it all becomes a lot of times it's just about money. We see that, huh? And doesn't that break your heart? I mean, I trip out, to be honest with you, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, we even here at this church, you know, we need to be careful. You know, the prices are going up a little bit in the cafe. And so I was telling Shelly yesterday, you know, we would need to bring them back down. I'm scared. <laughs> I told her back down to five bucks a meal, including drink. That's what I was telling her, you know. And you go online, you know, a lot of these churches and, you know, I don't want to judge them individually, but they charge you for a Bible study. Why? You know, I think even, and I know sometimes we get criticized for this, you know, you get a CD. How much does a CD cost? You guys know. You go down to Best Buy, you can get a CD for 10 cents, right? Label, maybe 10 cents. Ink, maybe 10 cents. 30 cents for a, a, a CD. Okay, you want to charge electricity, all that, whatever. I'm sorry, I can't see how it would cost more than a dollar. Well, they say because you have to put people on staff. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. If it costs us 30 cents, we can sell it for a dollar. You're probably thinking, hey, that's kind of high. No. <laughs> All I'm saying is that we have to make sure that we don't look at this as a business. 
You know, especially in the church today, that's a lot of things that's going on. It's just a money-making thing, and we need to be so careful. You guys, don't go that route. Don't give to those types of ministries. If people are asking for money, that's not the Lord. Are we a giving ministry or a getting ministry? Is this about us getting rich? About you making the pastor, you know, with his nice car, nice house, air conditioning for his dog? Is that what this is about? You see that a lot. And these guys are real proud of their $300 suits. God's going to get them. God's going to get them one day. Because that's what we see right here, you know? I mean, look at this, you guys. We don't need to know the Greek language to see that God was mad. That God was very angry with what was going on there. He was very angry. You know, a lot of times people don't realize that God gets angry. You know, He does. Exodus chapter 4, verse 14, the Bible says that the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Because Moses was trying to argue with God. We can't argue with God. You want to argue with God? You're going to get God mad. God got angry with Moses. Numbers chapter 11, verse 11, now when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, for the Lord heard it and his anger was aroused. Numbers 11, verse 1. You know, some people think, well, I can go ahead and complain. God doesn't hear it. Yes, he does. It says right there, God heard it. God hears the complaints and it stirs up his anger. Man, I pray we would know the God that we serve. Numbers 25, verse 3. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Psalm 711. I've shared this with you before. The Bible says that God is angry with the wicked every day. You know, God gets angry. Mark chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus, when he had looked around at them and their self-righteous hypocrisy, the Bible says that he looked at them with anger. Jesus did. Because he was grieved by the hardness of their hearts. Did you know that sometimes anger is okay? You know, some people, they have no passion whatsoever, no emotion whatsoever. They're so passive and gentle. They see sin. They see atrocities. And there's no anger whatsoever when sometimes there should be. As a matter of fact, it's kind of interesting. We read in 1 Samuel 11, verse 6, that the Spirit of God came upon Saul. So the Spirit of God fell on him. And when he heard this news, his anger was greatly aroused. Sometimes the Lord makes us angry at sin. But we need to be careful that we do what God wants us to do with that anger. Like it says in Ephesians 4, verse 26, be angry and do not sin, right? Psalm 4, verse 4, the same thing. And that's what we see going on here. The Lord comes in and he is ticked off. He is upset. He is fuming. He is angry. And the Lord right here takes care of things. He drives them out. He scatters them. He throws them. He casts them out with this notion of violence. Again, this is the second time. You know, the first time when the Lord cleaned house, the scripture that came to mind to the disciples is Psalm 69, verse 9, in which the Bible says this, that zeal for your house has eaten me up. I mean, I pray that we would know that God wants a clean house. You know, for those of us here today, maybe, you know, some of you here, you're probably really good housekeepers. And I think that's a really good attribute. It really is. You go and, you know, you do the white glove treatment. There's nothing there. You're dusting. And, you know, you move the couches. There's no basura behind it or anything like that. You're real clean. Others of us here, others of you here, 
Bottom line is you're not that clean, okay? You got so many responsibilities or whatever it is. It's just not in you. I don't know. It doesn't really matter that much regarding your physical house. But let me tell you something. When it comes to your spiritual house, I encourage you today to make sure it's clean. Let your house be clean. That's what God wants. God wants a clean house personally. And God wants a clean house congregationally. He really does. That's what we see here. God is zealous for our house. He really is. Don't think He doesn't care. Don't think He doesn't see. Don't think He's indifferent to it. He sees the things that are going on. And He wants us to make sure that we clean house. You know, as a matter of fact, when we look at this right here, and we see the interpretation of what Jesus did, He goes in there, He cleans house, and then in verse 13 it says, And He said to them, now Mark chapter 11 says, He taught them. And this is what He wanted to teach them. It is written, Isaiah 56, verse 7, He said this, He quotes the word, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. They had made it caves for robbers to hide in. And what we see right here is the Lord gives us this whole visual so that we can learn a few things about what it really means to be God followers. Number one, I want to encourage you guys in this. Number one, have a house of purity. A house of purity. Let's turn back to Psalm and we'll read that Psalm again. And if you would, verse 24, chapter 24 of Psalms. Look what it says, you guys. Psalm 24, it says in verse 3, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in His holy place? Here's the, here's the answer. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Please understand this, that God wants a house of purity. You're wondering today, well, how am I going to make it in life? How are you going to get to heaven? How? You have to have clean hands. And you have to have a pure heart or else you're not going to make it in. You see, God wants us to clean house today. Spring cleaning. How many of you are due for that? <laughs> King cleaning. Another verse over in 2 Timothy, if you would turn there to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Notice what it says in verse 20. It says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, here it is, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. See, God wants to communicate to us. God wants to teach us today that he is interested. He is zealous for a clean house. Those are the only ones that are going to make it. And so what do we need to do? Well, we need to cooperate with God. You know, the way that it works is kind of interesting. You know, you may be here today and you, you, know, you might think, well, I don't know how to do this. And, you know, it's got to be the Lord working in your life. You might be here today struggling with sexual sin. You might be here today struggling with... Uh, drugs or alcohol, maybe you're bitter, maybe you're angry, maybe you have fears that God just is, doesn't want you to have anymore. God wants you to learn to trust Him, whatever it is that we might be going through today. And you know, well, how can I do this, Lord? Well, the answer is that we have to be involved in this. We have to give Him the green light. 
we have to be willing to turn from our sin. And as we do that, right here it says, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, then he will be a vessel for honor. See, God wants us clean. And you're going to need to give God the green light today. Let me tell you something. You can't clean yourself. You can't really do that. But you must allow God to do it. You must allow Jesus in. You know those demons? Those lies of demons? Only Jesus can drive them out. But you've got to let him do it. And as we allow him to do the work, as we allow him to weed our garden. As we allow him, think about it, the other day it was kind of cool. I had my son come in, slave labor, child labor is cheap, is so cool, man. And he came into my office and uh, he uh, cleaned the bookshelves in my office. And it was neat because uh, he did an excellent job. I mean, this has really surprised me. It just tripped me out. He took the books down, he took the shelf down, and he was just scrubbing for days, <laughs> And I was like, Aaron, thank you so much. Here's a lollipop. It was really cool, man. He did such a great job. And that's what God will do in our life. If you could just say, Lord, clean me. I allow allow you to come in. You take all that stuff out. You drive out the money changers. You drive out those who are merchandising. You drive out those who are sacrilegious. You drive out those who are selfish. And as you allow God to do that work, then you know what? God will do such an awesome work. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, we need to confess our sins. Are you here today and you're struggling with things? You've got to give it to God. You've got to acknowledge it. And then what ends up happening, the Lord does a work. You remember the time in John chapter 13 when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples? You remember that? You know, the Lord was going around the table. He's, just think of the Lord today, if you would. He's going through the rows right here. Take off your shoes. Take off your socks. It doesn't matter how dirty they are, how much, you know, yellow, whatever, all that stuff, man, in between the toes, jam, all that stuff. Imagine, if you would, the Lord just going through the aisles right here. And he's saying, can I wash your feet? Can I wash your feet? What happened when he came to Peter? Peter said, you're not washing my feet. And there's some people like that. I'm not going to let you touch me. And then what does the Lord say? If you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. Huh. And so what did Peter say? Okay, then give me a bath, a shower. <laughs> and the Lord said, no, you're already clean. I just need to wash your feet. And that's the way it is, you guys, for us as Christians, walking in this world We get dirty, stinky, smelly feet. But we've got to allow the Lord to clean us. That's what the Lord is interested in here. We see that so clearly in Matthew 21. Number one, a house of purity. Number two, a house of prayer. A house of prayer. There's going to be no prayer apart from purity. Maybe you're here today and you're struggling in your prayer life and you're wondering why. Gosh, I just can't seem to connect with God. It just seems like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. And, you know, you're struggling even just to get there into your closet. And God is saying, well, it begins with a house of purity. And then you're going to have that house of prayer. You see, that's what the Lord wants. If you go back to Isaiah in chapter 56, that's where the Lord Jesus Christ quoted from. 
And we read here in Isaiah 56, it says in verse 7, Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Think about that. God wants a house of purity, and God wants a house of prayer. As a matter of fact, that's the name of the house. That's what it's called. And it's a prayer, it says, a house of prayer, it says there in verse 7, for all nations. You know, for us congregationally, it's so important that we pray. I encourage you guys, if you can make the prayer meetings, to attend the prayer meetings. This is what God is looking for. You know, one of the cool things I like to see is that sometimes after service, you guys will get together in little threes or fours or whatever it is, and you'll pray for each other. That's beautiful. It really is. It's so cool not only talking about God, but talking to God, huh? Isn't that so awesome? You know, I encourage you guys, for us here today, you know, if someone comes up to you afterwards and you're talking to them and they say, hey, I'm struggling with this, you know, can you keep me in prayer? A lot of times what ends up happening is we say yes, but then we never do, huh? We forget. Well, either write it down or pray with them right there. Let this be a house of prayer. Truly. Not only that, though, there's that intimate personal life that God wants us to have at home. In the church, we see in 1 Timothy chapter 2, look, look what Paul says in verse 1, Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And when it comes to this house right here, this congregation right here, God wants us to be pure. He really does. And we're going to see how serious that is in just a moment. And God wants us to be a house of prayer. See, this is what the Lord is asking for. It's just a reminder to us, you guys, on the importance of prayer, the priority of prayer in this house, congregationally, even in our life, personally. You know, I just pray that we would not allow anything to distract us from prayer, worship, and the things that are in our hearts, the things that need to be done for the Lord. You know, I think a lot of times we Christians, we struggle with prayer. huh? A lot of times, man. You know what? For some reason, it's easy to turn on the TV when you get home. huh? Or it's easy, whatever it is. I don't know what your hobbies are to do other things. But it's so difficult to pray. Why is that? It's because the devil knows that that is the most important thing that you can do. It's been said that the devil trembles when he sees even the weakest saint on his knees. And you begin to pray for your family and you watch your family will change. And you begin to pray for you know, this church and you watch God will do a work in that ministry that you're involved in. And you begin to pray for yourself and you watch God will begin to change your life. You know, nothing happens apart from prayer. And that's why we need to make sure that we have that in our heart. You know, not only that, not only just, you know, getting things from God and accessing that from Him, but just most importantly, I believe, communing with Him, huh? I mean, isn't it so wonderful to be reminded this morning that God loves to talk to us? That God loves it when we just stop and we give Him all of our attention? I think that is such an awesome thing that God has made a way for us to be one-on-one with Him. I mean, imagine, you guys, this sitting right here 
What a drag it would have been for the Gentiles visiting the temple. And they had heard the Lord, you know, it was an awesome God from their Jewish friends. And they had come to their point in their life where they kind of feared God, even in the point of taking a journey all the way to Jerusalem in the temple, wanting to meet with God, to draw near to God. Imagine the disappointment that would take place there, the heartbreak, when they saw all this crazy stuff that was going on in the temple precincts. Man, when they arrived there, it's like a money market. It's like a business. It's like a swap meet. Well, you want to know something? When we look at that right there, we think, man, so clear how these people would struggle in reaching God because of the fact that God's people had forgotten their priority. And I think that happens to us and we need to be challenged in this area as well. That as our non-believing friends come over our house, that as our non-believing family members see us, what is it about us that's different? Do we have God's love? Do we have God's character, God's fruit? Have we been spending time in communion with God and prayer to God? Or have we been distracted with all these other things so that when they come, they see nothing different? than what's going on out there in the world. And that's what broke Jesus' heart. He said, man, my house is supposed to be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you guys, what you've done is you've made it a den of thieves. Quoting from Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 11, a den of thieves. That was where the thieves would hide. They would hide in the caves. And this is what happens. Many times we hide in the church. And I know this is a tough thing, you guys, but God really wants to clean house. You know, God wants to change things. God wants to give us more of a hunger for Him. God wants to open our heart to His Word. God wants us to be busy about His business. But a lot of times what happens is we hide in the church. We think, well, I can continue to live my life. I'm okay. Why? Because you went to church. You're not okay. Because you went to church. You're not. We're not. We can try to hide in here, but we're not. The only place that we can hide is under the shadow of His wings. As we live a life of obedience. As we live a life that, you know, our heart is right. Here we see these guys. And the Lord would always get upset mostly with the religious leaders that were hypocritical. You know, and I, and I know here he, you know, drove out those who bought as well as those who sold. He didn't like any of the things that were going on there, but he struggled mostly with those people in those positions who didn't live a life that was right. You know, we need to be so careful, you guys, that we don't forget. Simple thing. God wants a house of purity. Number two, God wants a house of prayer. And then number three, you're going to see how all these things build upon each other. God wants a house of power. He really does. Because look what happens there next in verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. You see? Sometimes people come in, they can't see. People come in, they can't walk. Unless we're a house of purity and unless we're a house of prayer we will not be a house of power god will not use us to make the blind to see and the lame to walk here we see jesus christ even after he drives out these people 
is so cool because he must have done it in a way to where those who were humble and those who were open, they, they came to him. And as they came to him, notice what happens. It's so cool, you guys. He healed them. And God wants us to have that, you know, working where we would be vessels, where Jesus would come in. And through your life and in your life, think about it, man, healing the blind. I mean, making the lame to walk. I mean, those are two of the most important things because part of the problem today is people can't see spiritual things and people can't walk the walk. It's a life, and God says, I want to use you to reach them. Remember what the Lord said in Luke 24, if you want to turn there real quick. Look what he said, you guys, in verse 49. Luke 24, verse 49, he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. It's never us doing the work. It's always God doing the work. But God does the work through those who are pure, through those who are praying. And then you're going to allow the power of God to come in and to touch lives. Jesus can touch lives, you guys. Do you know anybody who's blind spiritually? Do you know anybody who is unable to walk spiritually? Anybody? We all do, right? Don't you, don't we want to reach them? We do, huh? We want them to have that same power. You know, I love those pictures when these guys, you know, are coming up. Didn't you, did you guys see it? Did you see the power in that? I saw it. You guys, I don't know if you saw it or not. You got to see it, man. There is power in the resurrection. And I think a lot of times we settle for less. Here we see in Matthew 21, the Lord teaching us, hey, you need to be a house of purity. You need to be a house of prayer. You need to be a house of power. Power. And you need to be a house of praise. Because that's what we see next in verse 15. But when the chief priests and scribes, they saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. I mean, the kids, they saw the whole thing. They saw the wonderful things that the Lord was doing. And isn't it an amazing thing how you can just have two people having totally different perspectives? One is very angry. The religious leaders were upset because they were jealous. And the others were just praising God. They're like, cool, did you see him punch that guy? No, he didn't punch anybody. They were so excited, man. Boom, he's throwing up tables and he's driving them out. And they knew these little infants, babies, children... They knew that was wrong. And so they're praising God. Hosanna, save us. And the religious leaders were upset. You see, that's what will happen, you guys. As we have this house of purity and as we just endeavor to live a life of prayer, truly. And then God gives us the power and then things begin to happen. And then what? Man, we just start praising God. You see, that's the way it works. I look at some of your lives here today and I just praise God. I get so excited. I've seen that, those pictures so many times I still shed tears. And I think, wow, Lord, look what you're doing. 
You know, and sometimes people won't do that. Why? Because they're too, I don't know, grown up, I guess. They don't have the faith of a child, a little child. The Lord says, that's all you need. And as you have that faith of a child, then God will just, man, you're going to live a life of praise. Even though people try to stop you, oh, you know, stop them. No, you're just going to keep praising God like Paul and Silas did in Acts 16 when they were there in the bottom of the dungeon. Circumstances were not good. I mean, 12 midnight, they got 39 lashes, bloody backs. I mean, there they were wondering, gosh, in one sense, Lord, I thought I was doing your will, but here I am, all beat up. But what did they do? They sang. They praised God. And God brought an earthquake. That's what we need to do, you guys. House of purity, a house of prayer, a house of power, and a house of praise. If not... then you're going to live in a house of punishment. A house of punishment. You know what the Bible says? Look over at 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. God takes this so seriously. Remember, he's zealous for his house. He really is. And he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, If anyone defiles the temple of God... God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. And that's why it's so important that we this morning take all these things so seriously, you guys. I really encourage you today to clean house. Spring cleaning, king cleaning, whatever you want to call it, that you really allow Jesus Christ to come into your house and check out your kitchen. You got any beer in the fridge? Let him take it out, you know? To go into your closet. You got any Playboy magazines in there? Burn them. I mean, you name it. Check out your computer. What are you visiting online? To check out and listen to your conversations. Are your words edifying and building each other up? Are they tearing down? Let God clean house. And as he does that, then you and I will be safe from the punishment that comes to those who won't allow him. Because he says, listen, if anyone defiles that temple, God himself will destroy that temple. Now, just as a quick side note right here, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he's speaking about the church congregationally. Congregationally. Chapter 6, he's speaking personally. But chapter 3, he's speaking congregationally. And he says, if anybody comes into this place and defiles it, then God is going to deal with that person. And we need to make sure that we don't bring in this business mentality, this selfish mentality, this sacrilegious mentality. Over in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, the Bible says this, And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to you in his temple. Will suddenly come to his temple. Think about that. One day, boom, he's going to come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming. He's coming to your house. He is coming to your temple. He's coming to your house, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. 
And I just pray, man, that you and I, we would know this today. I don't know how you want to face God. Do you want to face the fire? Or do you want to have his soap come in and cleanse your life? I pray that today we would say, Lord, give me some soap. (laughs) Scrub behind the ears, Lord. Reach in and take my heart and, and cleanse it. Because, Lord, I fear you. And I definitely don't want to face the fire one day. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and just uh, encouraging us today to, Lord, to have this house of purity, a house of prayer, a house of power and praise. To really take this seriously, Lord, and be zealous for your house, even as you are zealous for your house, Lord. We love you so much, Father. We thank you so much. And I know a lot of times, Father God, I know in my own life there are blind spots that are hindering me. There are things that I don't even see that for some reason I've allowed. And what happens is that my heart grows cold. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would be allowed to to come in, that all of us here today would open the door and we would allow Jesus to come in And that, Lord Jesus, you would drive out, Lord, anything that defiles your temple in us personally and in us congregationally, Lord. We just love you so much. And just with every eye closed and every head bowed, just in case you're here today and you want Jesus to clean your house, he would love to do that. He would love to because he loves you. But you need to give him permission. He'll never force himself on you. And so if you're here today and you want to turn from your sin that separates you from God and you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you want him to come in and clean house, then right where you're at, would you just raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Praise God. Praise God for those hands that have gone up. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're not a Christian. You just came in here today and you need to know that God wants you to be his child. But the Bible says, as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. You see, you need to receive the Lord or there is no hope. So anyone else here, Right where you're at. Okay, I'm going to pray for those who raise their hand. Father, I thank you so much for your willingness to come in and to cleanse us, Lord, with your love, your blood. Lord, to give us, uh, Lord God, your power, Lord, for purity. And I pray today, Lord, for everyone here, those who raise their hands this morning, Lord, you know where they're at. You know if it's a first-time commitment or uh, even more just a... a as a Christian, wanting you to clean feet. I pray, Lord, that today you would honor that step of faith and that you would bless my brothers and sisters here today, Lord. We love you so much. We thank you so much. I pray, Lord, that you would go and that you would take these things and that you would plant them in our hearts, Lord. Continue, I pray, to do this work in each one of our lives, in this church, Lord. We ask together in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.